Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, Irene Weinberg, here to begin our spring 2019 segment number five with 12 fascinating and enlightening interviews lovingly lined up for your listening pleasure. I want to begin today's podcast with a huge, grateful shout out to Stephanie Barnhart, my wonderful publicist and tech guru who works her magic to help me get this podcast out to all of you. Stephanie's role is changing somewhat. Although she is no longer going to be on air, she is still going to be behind the scenes providing the same wonderful support she always has for me and the Grief and Rebirth podcast. Thank you again, Stephanie, from the bottom of my heart for your amazing work in the past, and I look forward to working with you to bring fabulous, meaningful podcasts to our growing audience of listeners in 2019. I view each of you who has chosen to listen to Grief and Rebirth, Finding the Joy in Life podcast as an honor and responsibility I do not take lightly. I intentionally and joyfully interview people we can all learn from, grief and trauma specialists who share their invaluable insights, gifted mediums who bring us comfort and solace when they communicate with our deceased loved ones, talented healers who help to end suffering in countless ways, and incredible people who have learned how to thrive in spite of daunting challenges, inspiring each of us to also be all that we can be. And speaking of incredible people, you will be absolutely inspired by Kat Bailey's work to help parents heal after the deaths of their beloved children. She is the United Kingdom affiliate leader for helping parents heal, supporting over 400 parents in the UK, in addition to supporting the larger audience of over 12,000 in the United States and globally. And this is just for starters. But instead of hearing all about wonderful, multi-gifted Kat from me, let's hear from Kat herself. Hey, Kat. Welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy. Thank you, sweetheart. And I want to start by having you tell our Grief and Rebirth listeners exactly what you do to help people heal. And can you explain a bit about what those modalities are and how they help? So I am a a psychic medium here in the UK, working predominantly online. Um, I do uh, private bookings and uh, group bookings uh, across a number of different channels. So sometimes I'll do FaceTime live so that people can see me. Other times I'll actually do paid Zoom reviews. Sometimes I do them free of charge for charity. Um, Predominantly helping parents heal, uh, which is a lovely uh, non-profit organization based in the States that's now gone global to over 77 different countries, believe it or not, which is incredible. Um, I'm also a Reiki, um, a Reiki master 
Um, and I basically uh, use clinical hypnosis and trans mediumship to transform pain, really. That's what I'm about. I I'm, I'm, I'm really deal with any kind of emotional issues and looking at how to kind of, uh, you know, take people forward from a really difficult space. Um, and that can be across a number of modalities. So it really is a kind of bespoke service in terms of looking at where the person's at on their journey and what they need. And of course, allowing the influence of spirit to come in and, and do that work uh, alongside me. Um, I really just hold the space for spirit. That's how I see my work. Um, the clearer the channel that I can be, the better the communication, the better the support from spirit. So it's really about me getting myself out of the way more than actually being uh, physically there, if you, if you like. I'm, I'm there to smile at you and to encourage you, um, but it, it's spirit doing the hard work. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And as a person who has had some experiences with you, you are amazing. I mean, I am, I am, you are so talented. And the thing that I love about working with you is that you come totally from your heart. And you, not only are you gifted and you help people, but there are some people who are very gifted and they're not authentic. They're not motivated um, for the right reasons, in my opinion, which is really to help people to heal. They can be very gifted and they can help people, but you really, with all of who you are, really give it your all. And it's, it's so apparent when you have a reading with you. I think it's about coming from the heart, isn't it? I think it's about showing your compassion and trying to just set your ego and yourself aside. I think that's the important thing. It's very, very important to build rapport with people, make people feel comfortable. I think if somebody feels comfortable and at ease with you, you're going to get the best uh, level of healing because it's just going to flow between you. And that, that's really the measure of what we're trying to do is, is find out what the situation is, what the issues are, and kind of look at how we can transform them so that people can operate at the highest potential that they can be. Kat, you do something where you conduct one-to-one -one mediumship readings. What is that? Um, so one-to-ones is where the client makes a private booking. They have a reading with me, a bit like the readings that we had um, together ourselves when uh, you trialed me, uh, you tested me out. Um, so I do it, I, I have two approaches. I've been doing mental, what's called mental, mental evidential mediumship for some time now. Um, so that's trying to uh, give evidence of the afterlife, but also to give evidence that the consciousness lives on so that you're experiencing what your loved ones see now. You know, we, we do look back at lovely, beautiful memories in terms of validations. And once we've got that kind of information and the person in front of me is absolutely convinced that I've got their loved one and the person of their greatest need, um, then we can progress on and we can look at what that uh, consciousness and spirit sees now uh, and how they're interacting with you in the everyday. And the other th there's a few things that's slightly different about my evidential mediumship. I like to ask you who you want to hear from. That, that's a major difference. Um, I, I'm a great believer that there's a real intelligence in the spirit world. And if the spirit world are as intelligent as we um, can credit for, then we should be able to ask who the person wants to hear from and, and what their greatest need is. Spirit really don't mind in which order they go. If there's more than one contact that wants to make contact, they don't mind who goes first. It's very much about, uh, very much like how we are in life. If we were at a party and we just get chatting to somebody, we've got a few friends we might want to talk to, but we're going to go to the person that we really want to speak to first. And then everybody else joins the party afterwards. And that's kind of how it is. So that, that's one approach, evidential mediumship. I also allow you to ask questions, which is slightly different to 
approaches. Again, if the spontaneity and the intelligence of the spirit world is there, they should be able to respond. It's almost trying to mimic a three-way conversation. And um, what I often find is that when I'm working, the power that I'm working with tends to build as the reading goes on. So I tend to say to people, if you've got tricky questions, ask me them towards the end of a reading. Um, but if you've got quite simple ones, you can ask me them at the start and we'll see how we go. I never, I can never promise to get all the answers or responses. So far my hit rate's been fairly good. Um, but I, I, I go out there with the greatest authenticity and the hope that spirit will reciprocate. And I would say 99% of the time they can. If ever they can't, it tends to be me, the medium, the human side of me getting in the way. That's how I see it. So now, I was just going to say what's really in, un, uh, different about you is that a lot of mediums will say, I can't guarantee the person you're asking for is going to come in. Uh, you may be wanting to speak to your mother, but Aunt Sadie has a more powerful personality and she's the one who's going to come in first. So that's a very different thing that you do, that you say that if the, if the person wants to speak to her mom and she's not interested in Aunt Sadie, you will find her mom for her. Yeah, I have to say in 99% of the approaches that I've done, Spirit have uh, wowed me by being present. There's been one or two occasions where somebody else has stepped in and evidentially as the reading's gone on it's been very important for them to come through because their message mm. for whatever reason their background was very healing and crucial but it's very rare the majority of times that the person that you do want to hear from does come through and we're able to validate that and I suppose it's taking that leap of faith or having that confidence and in, that, that spirit is intelligent that, that, that they are there and having that confidence in them um, I, it really came out of uh, one of my friends is a journalist and he is very analytical um, he was very very skeptical about mediumship and, uh, and being the journalist that he is one day he wanted to provoke me and he was very much uh, asking me well I, I, I'm not interested in just anybody Kath I want my dad and if you can't get my dad I'm not interested uh, and, and so he spurred me to use a technique that I, I was aware of from my, my training um, it was a technique that I had seen a, a few people use, um, perhaps not on the platform or not on a frequent basis. I had heard of it before. And so I started uh, throwing it out there and, and practicing in, in group settings with friends initially and seeing how far we can take it. And I think that's the thing, you know, as human beings, we've really only scratched the surface of what we're capable of doing. And, and, and same with our spirit communication. I, I really feel that we're, we're probably just on the first part or exploration of this. I know from the trans work that I do, you know, sometimes I do sound healing as well. I, about a year ago, I went to India. I had the most amazing trip. Spirit actually asked me to go there. And initially I was wondering why, sending me on a yoga trip, what's that all about? Actually, when I got to India, um, I found this incredible, uh, I took an incredible journey and, and I tried lots of different healing techniques while I was out there and I really did sort of have the attitude of I'll try everything that's uh, uh, given to me and that could be anything from dancing under the banyan trees uh, with the locals, <laughs> doing mindfulness or uh, trying out new massage techniques, saying, seeing a Vedic doctors, doing yoga twice a day, doing yoga nidra um, and then also um, looking at an amazing uh, yoga technique called breath work uh, some people call it transformational breath i had the most extraordinary experiences in india and it really opened 
what, what must have been a blocked throw, I, I, I literally, the spirit world, my trance guides came in and they literally started cleaning the whole of my body and the whole of my aura um, and chakras and they blasted out my throat, at which point this incredible, um, I don't think you can call it singing, it's kind of more like, I call it sacred sounds, it's like a, a, a fibro, it started with what's called vibrato, it's now uh, gone into uh, a technique called, that I've since found out is called uh, overtone singing, where uh, the, the, the human voice can actually play about seven or eight notes at the same time in a harmony. That's amazing. Which, which you just wouldn't believe is possible. So at first I was wondering, well, what is this sound all about? It was a little bit crazy. And then I guess like everything, curiosity gets better and you think, oh, if spirit can do this, how far can they take it? So you just start experimenting and seeing. And then suddenly I realized that what this vibration or the sound was doing was healing and cleansing my body and especially preparing me for work with, with parents of lost children. You know, you might be dealing with um, the loss of a child through suicide, you might be dealing with a murder, you might one day be dealing with you know, addiction issues, you might be dealing with cancers and illness, and each of those may, may come with a certain level of grief or trauma. And, and when you're doing work, whether it's mediumistic work or healing work, always a certain level of energy that is, you know, you're, you're really taking somebody's like um, energy and trying to transform it it's not just uh, the work's not just done through the focal work that you do or the channeling work um from spirit there's a certain amount of energy that goes from you towards the person and provides healing as well and that doesn't matter whether you're over the internet or face to face that that energy travels and, and what i found is that spirit would use the singing and the sound work not just to change my vibration but also to support the cleansing of my aura after certain readings replenish my energy which is very very important self-care self-acceptance you have to work very hard as a medium and i don't think people realize that to actually maintain your own level of energies and whether that's running in the morning and um, getting fresh air being out in nature diving into a swim pool and making sure you're swimming or whether it's actually just uh picking yourself up from a healing or kind of um, looking after what you're eating, I've had to change my diet and no longer eat red meat. I do occasionally eat chicken and salmon, but I was finding that actually um, my body just couldn't sustain the, the heavier, lower energy foods anymore. They wanted the more vibrant energies. And it's not that I won't on special occasions eat it, you know, maybe at a birthday or a Christmas, I do make exceptions. I found in general that a vegetarian style diet with some fish and a bit of chicken actually lot more water that's interesting that's so interesting because i know some people are total vegetarians um but do you feel that the fish a little bit of fish is okay a little bit of chicken's okay i think if i didn't have the fish i think i'd get really anxious and that's actually what uh some of the athletic doctors and the aura readers that i saw in india said to me is actually you are going to need fish and to sustain you you are you are going to need fish okay so i i was wondering about that because a lot of people say they give up fish too yeah, yeah. And, and do you know what? What's right for some people? I'm not saying it might not evolve that way and it might not change at the moment. It's okay for me. And I, but I find that, uh, that the more you do uh, energetic work of any level, changes come in waves every six months, um, every year. So at the moment, Spirit have just prepared my transition from it's quite a big change for me. I've been eating all my life. I go into just eating and, and fish is actually a significant shift for me. Who's to say in a six months or a year's time? I don't know. 
Um, but at the moment, I feel okay on that. Um, but what I have had to do is a lot more work to kind of look after myself in terms of I'm doing yoga every day, or kind of, um, even if it's just for half an hour, just spending some time on myself in order to sustain my energies. With all that you do, it's amazing to have a concept that you find a half an hour to spend with yourself. I, I mean, how, where do you, do you get up at three in the morning? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I limit the amount of work that I do a day. I think that's the difference is I try to spend the mornings on myself, whether that's like updating the websites or, or um, emails. I like to do them. I do this thing online called Messages from Heaven where I um, sort of uh, postcards from heaven where I actually send out with people who can't perhaps afford a reading or perhaps that are really desperate or maybe it's a an anniversary I allow spirits to look at the list of people that names down there and I pick the person to say I'll do a little uh, postcard for them and um, so I try to do that in the morning uh, I try to do yoga in the morning if I haven't got the time then half an hour of my sacred sounds singing my neighbor, poor neighbors must think I'm opera singers I, I, I literally blast it out at the top of my <laughs> and go into a transmit and the interesting thing for me is I can't actually see what I'm learning to from actually doing it in trance but, but when this started I couldn't sing a single note in my normal physical guise and I think this is what's been so evidential and really transformed my trust and faith in spirit as well because I couldn't sing I was born tone deaf and, and finding these sounds really vibrating out of me. And the fact that it is things like vibrato and overtone singing, which my friend is a classical singer in the UK, said she's been training 20 years and would die to be able to do vibrato and overtone singing, but has never found the, the, the place uh, or the ability to do it. So she was quite shocked when it started coming through at trans and I was recording it and sending it to her. But say, what is this? How, you know, what do you call this? What you know, and it's very operatic and it can go, you know, they will just do, I allow spirit to do the sounds. So I'm never very uh, kind of disciplined to know whether, which chakra it is that they're clearing. I just allow them to do whatever sound they want to do to demonstrate. And, and it's interesting because it's evolving now and I'm starting to get mudras coming through. And at first I didn't know what a mudra was, even though I do yoga. I, I don't often use mudras except for very basic ones uh, that you might do when you're sitting in half loaf whatever um so that was very interesting and then looking those up and finding out oh actually that's the sanskaran mudra and things like that that was really interesting to think actually is there an indian guide working with me is there somebody here that's a yoga specialist that's actually channeling this information through and being able to understand what it means um but it's all about locking in energy that, 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 that's really what it is it's about changing your energy and locking it in so uh, i've started now using that when i'm doing reiki sometimes to work with people using it for some of the parents who you know i'm a great believer as well that we can all connect to our loved ones ourselves it's, it's great to come to a medium especially somebody who is accomplished and well trained but there's nothing like having the experience yourself so you have you have like so many modalities you're so it's so amazing and what i love about you is how open-minded you are to whatever you can learn and do to enhance uh how you help people don't you also do a lot of work with suicides I do, yeah, I do. You want to talk to people about that? Yeah. And do and do they and do, and and people who commit suicide don't they cross over just like anyone else? There's no big punishment for that. It's just a different form of transitioning. And uh, but, I mean, I, I met an amazing. I mean, a lot of parents whose children have transitioned from suicide. Oh my god! It's the number one and number two uh, 
uh, biggest cause of death in the UK and the USA. Wow. And it is the 10th uh, biggest cause worldwide. Wow. So it's a significant player, and I don't think people realize how common it is. Like, it really hit home to me when I was doing a demonstration online for a, a, a blog that I support for parents. Um, uh, and we, we did a private, uh, uh, we did some private readings in a group setting, 12 people booked on, which was the maximum that we were going to take. And of the 12, 10 of the parents had lost their children to suicide. I mean, that's like unthinkable. It's like unimaginable. Absolutely crazy. It is so, so sadly common. Uh, and then I came across an amazing woman called Leanne Hull that if you ever get the chance to interview, she's an incredible lady. Leanne Coulter? Leanne Hull. Leanne lost her. Leanne is the director and founder of a lovely um, charity called the Andy Hull Sunshine Foundation. She lost her son about eight years ago uh, in a terrible suicide uh, situation. She also had to deal with, at the same time, two, three things alongside Andy, having to cope with the grief. It's one thing to lose um, a child yourself, but then to actually have to support a husband and other siblings you don't realize the complexities of it and, and how grief can be compounded by other people's grief as well. And so Leanne and I sat down to sort of see what can we do to help and coach people, whether that's in a one-to-one situation or through doing um, little workshops that kind of talk talk me through our journeys with with suicide from the different perspectives uh, you know and we look at the scientific side of it and kind of um spiritual side and, and, and try to we, we don't influence people on our own opinions necessarily but we sort of tell them what to expect and what we've witnessed as common patterns of behavior if you like and you know everybody's journey through this is very very individual um so there is no one way to grieve in in, in any circumstances regardless of that's interesting too because there are books written about you should grieve this way and there are five steps and all of that and everybody dreams grieves differently according to their personality styles according to their needs whatever right and i would think that um is someone who commits suicide someone who just couldn't handle certain things and they had to cut their journey short here because we we or i know that there are situations that are so difficult when you come here, you plan to learn certain lessons and does it become too overwhelming for them? Do you find a general trend that way or not? Interesting. And I have to say, I think it's very individual again. Um, when I was in India, it's very interesting. Um, spirit set me up for so many things. I was on the beach in uh, Goa and uh, funnily enough, a lady had actually sent me a book suicide, a, a different lady, uh, Laurie Savvy, who's the secretary of Prince uh, Heal, she lost her son Garrett, and I have done. I was uh, being certified by Mark Island uh, as a, a medium to work with parents. We actually find test uh, medium to ensure that they are of a, a strong level, higher than the level of chance, and that they're able to provide good evidence. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was very high in his testing in the nineties. The um, so alongside the other mediums that work for, uh, with Mark Island and helping parents heal. Um, I, I met Laurie Savvy and she sent me a book on suicide and I was reading this book on, it's funny how these things, um, these coincidences and synchronicities happen. I was sat on a beach in Goa and uh, a girl sat down next to me. She had uh, met me in passing the day before at a retreat. Um, 
but she wasn't part of our retreat and she was a Scandinavian girl and she just asked if uh, she started talking to me about spiritual things and she said uh, I'm actually here looking for a hypnotherapist I really want to be no coincidences right <laughs> like regression I was like how strange you <laughs> actually sat next to one how can I help you um, and uh, I, she said, oh, could you, could you regress me? And I said, well, I couldn't today, but if you meet me here at four o'clock tomorrow, we, we could take one of the beach huts on the side and we could actually do a regression there if you like. And that's exactly what we did. And what was really interesting about this um, situation was that the, the past life in question that she um, revisited was actually a life where she had um, been a prisoner of war and actually had taken the decision to commit suicide to save. Say that again a little bit. Say it again a little louder. Sorry. Um, she'd actually, the, the experience in past life regression that we experienced was that she had been a prisoner of war in a previous life. Um, she had been tortured. And, oh, my God. Uh, she knew that her family were in danger. And therefore, she took the decision that um, to take her own life and to commit suicide in that lifetime. And what I can honestly say to you is what was really interesting when the slides came through at the end um, was they basically sort of implied that, you know, that there are times when, uh, this is going to sound so um, out there, but um, there are times when um, suicide was the right decision. They kind of implied, you know, in this situation, she in her honour, she protected her family. Um, when is suicide the right thing to do? When is it the wrong thing to do? I, I'm not saying that I, I, I would wish suicide on anybody. But I found it a very interesting perception to observe what the spirit world was trying to teach me, which was, you know, be non-judgmental. Yes. Always act from unconditional love. You don't know the full perspective. Therefore, it's not your decision to make a judgment about it. We will take full care of anybody. And I can honestly tell you that in this life, very, very she's very, very happy. Um, and um, it was just interesting to see her release pain of that uh, incarnation or that that experience you know some people uh, are, are skeptical about past life regressions I've done a lot I find it a very very interesting subject I find it healing I kind of used to sit on the fence and I still do to a certain level in that I say it really doesn't matter if past life is true or imagined if it heals somebody and it helps somebody then end of story really that that's all that really matters in this instance releasing something that's causing you pain or you're holding into your system or body is a very, very beneficial thing. And in this situation, it was just fascinating that the story was something very, very controversial. It was about letting go of the grief attached to a decision to make suicide in another incarnation. And, and that's something I've never encountered uh, before. So um, it was just a fascinating perspective, you know, and I compared it to the book that I was reading that Laurie had sent me which is called The Ripple Effect, which is Laurie's book about her son and, and how many people were affected by his suicide. And there literally are hundreds of people that wrote in and contributed to that book to say how they were impacted by the death of her son. Um, and so, you know, we've got to consider all perspectives when we look at this. But what I know um, from the work that I'm doing in every guise that I've worked in, in terms of the healing um, modalities, is that spirit don't judge. They look at each and every case. And that, that's not to say that there aren't lessons, maybe that we can learn or help or teach, but everything is an evolution. It's just another opportunity to learn. So nobody's judged any differently from what I understand on the other side. Um, 
to to how you would if you if you had a child and you loved them and you would compassionately care about them and and uh, try to to get them to the growth and learning and development that they need and it doesn't really matter how long it takes somebody to learn those lessons or progress in any way it, it's just a case of uh, we're each individual and we know our you know we feel our own way don't we that's yes absolutely feel our way. Well, you and I both come from the attitude of that we're here to learn lessons. So if you look at it that way, so for the people who have lost children, are there, once you channel their children and all, are they finding out that there were certain lessons they were supposed to learn also from their children's deaths? That's a hard lesson. Oh, that's a really hard one. Um, you know, I'm not a big subscriber to such, this is really controversial again, I'm not a big subscriber to soul planning. I do think I need you to speak up a little louder, Kat. Sorry, darling. Um, I'm not a big subscriber to soul planning, and that's very controversial because I know that it's very, very big in the States. Um, in the respect that I don't think that we ever come to the earth plane to commit suicide or commit certain challenges or maybe lower level energies, or perhaps life's just not turned out as planned or we've been exposed to things that perhaps, uh, you know, like serious addictions or health issues in some capacity as well or perhaps we're just really struggling in life and we feel that we can't get through it really, there's so many reasons that cause these kind of situations i think that in life we perhaps have milestones we've come here maybe to learn about compassion but maybe it's a broad subject matter that we take um we we, we may come here to learn about love we may come here to learn about lots of different things but my, my, my thinking is that we don't just set a plan before we come here that that plan evolves with us we choose our own learning criterion and how fast we want to learn and we decide whether this lifetime is the right uh, has the right environment and the right um you know uh curriculum to sort of, to sort of work through that um why is, you know do do parents learn from the death such a hard uh, question to ask that irene i think a lot of people really struggle with the death of a child i think it's probably the, one of the most painful so a lot of people take it say it again I think a lot of people really, really struggle with the death of a child. Yes. Probably one of the most painful things that you can encounter. To say that you learn lessons from that, I think it's very, very hard to sort of say or kind of, um, you know, it is so, so individual. What I do notice in the family or communities that I work within is that a lot of people do find spirituality through the grieving and loss of a child because suddenly... They're faced, uh, having been left brain thinkers perhaps before, with this uh, conundrum, if you like, of actually wanting to still have the continuity of the child in their life. And what opens up then is this journey to connection and exploring that in all its guises. Now, connection can, there's hundreds of ways of connecting. That's another thing that I teach, you know, whether it's actually... Um, channeling writing whenever it's EVP electronic voice phenomenon whether it's actually um sitting and learning to connect yourself through the modalities that you know through um inner vision whether it's actually praying whether it's through music whether it's through signs it really really opens out and a lot of parents start finding that they're having really strange coincidences strange occurrence in the house um, they start to see signs that whether it's their child's name, whether it's birds flying into the garden and, or butterflies landing on them and all sorts of things. Lots of people, lots of different signs that they 
consider to be um, contact with their children or signs from their children in some way. Some people have actually had incredible experiences, Irene. There's a few within the community that have actually seen their children physically. There's wow. a few of them that have had photographs of them. Uh, one caught on a CTV camera actually in the house. Another, uh, there's a lady in Brazil that actually does the most amazing scientific photographs has actually captured some of the children within our community on camera. So, um, you know, supposedly from the other side, but it's very interesting how she has the images of them that match the images of how they were here in the physical. I mean, wow. Thing. So for me, it, it's a fascinating world. It, you start to see and explore lots of different things and, and you, you have to be open-minded because some of these things really question what you believe. And what you've, you know, I, I had no idea there were so many modalities of connection and so many ways that the spirit world could communicate with us and then actually been exposed to this world through these communities and seeing, you know, it's very hard to question some of the parents or the people that have come to me that have got such strong evidential information or had such strong validations and experiences. Um, you know, and I think some of them experience it through dreams and I think, like, like, like you were saying, I'm fascinated by the world. I'm constantly wanting to learn. So if somebody says to me, I need to know about lucid dreaming, I go on a lucid dreaming course and I have a really amazing, <laughs> amazing people and just think, well, let's be open-minded. Let's see what this is about. Let me see if it's going to help the parents or the people within the communities that I'm supporting. If it does, great. If it doesn't, then at least I know and I can, I can talk about it and explain about it and, and sort of share my own experiences, encouraging them with the pros and cons. And I think that's, all I can do is be open-minded and try things and and to also realize as well I think another thing that we come up against which is really sad in spirituality is is, is the idea that we all come from you know I, I'm neutral in terms of religion I was brought up in the Christian faith as a, as a child but um I really have to work with so many different religions and communities that I you know, there's no reason why spirituality or the uh, passing of a child and the opening up of this new world of connection has to kind of change the world that we're living in and the way that we perceive the world. So, you know, I feel that there's, a, you know, they can sit alongside each other. That's that, that's what I believe. And uh, I think they, they embody, you know, spirituality in certain guises is embodied in every single religion in the world. And, 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 uh, uh, and that's an incredible thing, isn't it? We should just be able to tap into that aspect of our culture or our faith uh, that allows the exploration of this it, for the greater good. That's absolutely true. And I, I think I agree. one thing I would love to say is when I was doing a trance um, demonstration in London uh, recently, my spirit guides gave a talk at the beginning. And the one thing that they said is we, we come in hope and we come really from a space of pure love and, and love will never hurt you and that is really the most incredible and the most simple message of all and, and, and one of the things that I always say about joy in life it, it's keeping it stupidly simple if somebody is coming from a space of love and their intention is love and non-judgment then how can that be wrong so, That's you know, true. And this whole world really needs that, boy. This whole world needs that message. What a different world we would have if we all came from love. Yes. And it's indeed when I had my own spiritual awakening and they pulled me out of the car and this voice came into my head and said, be loving and kind to everyone. Wow, what a different world if we all were. 
Oh my god. Loving and kind to each other. Beautiful message. That's a beautiful message. But it but it's, it really does show as well, you know. And that's what I mean about the evolution of the soul plan. Your your impact and the way that you've addressed the world and how you've changed your life and evolved your life since that car accident, based perhaps a little bit on that message. You're evolving it while you're here, aren't you? You have yes. a static plan as we do in life. We're transforming and changing our route. Our soul is feeling its way. It's leading us by feeling its way. We don't, you know, I've always been amazed. Sometimes when I say to my spirit guides, tell me what's coming up, tell me what I need to prepare for. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But the majority majority of the time, Irene, frustrating enough, they don't. Because they say, if we tell you, you wouldn't keep your eye on the task at hand. You wouldn't deal with what we're asking you to deal with now if we tell you everything we give you as much as you need there's a certain level that we'll support you with and there's a certain level where you have to take that leap of faith and feel your way and that's the one thing they've always said to me is when I've said to them do you what do you how does this work do you guide me or do I guide myself and they've always said you guide yourself and I said well how how will I know you just feel your way feel my way that's that's what I've got to do I've got to feel (laughs) well that's what you've come here for. You've come here to have this journey, this exploration, this amazing adventure. It is. It is unbelievable. Speaking of adventures, I want to ask you two things because I could talk to you for three more hours, but everyone's going to gonna be like, my lunch break is over and I can't hear this anymore. But there are two more things I want to ask you about. The first is that I know you were a skeptic. And you have an amazing journey about how this unbelievable world opened up to you. You were nothing like you are now. And the second one is that you've got this amazing story about a father who lost three children. And I would really love for you to share that inspiring story with people. And then we'll have to bring you back because there'll be like, 4,000 other questions, and I, I, and I want you to tell everyone your links and how to get a hold of you, because I cannot, everyone, tell you enough about how wonderful Kat is, really, yeah. truly. So we, we like experimenting, you and I, don't we? Yeah. Um, what I would say then is, yeah, I wasn't born a medium. I may have been very intuitive growing up at certain points. So around my teenage years, I can think of a few things that happened that I thought, oh, that's a strange coincidence and stuff. And I was open enough that my sister, my sister lost a child actually uh, in a miscarriage when she was, my sister's 12 years older than me. When she was about 18, she lost a, uh, not 18, uh, about 26, she lost a child. And uh, I was in my teenage years and mum wouldn't let me join her. And mum uh, took my sister to see a very famous medium in the UK at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, it transformed my sister's grief. And I was kind of like, what do you mean this medium? What do you mean this spirit world? What do you mean you were talking to granddad and he's been dead X amount of years? I just was a little bit confused and I nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged. Mum, till I was 18 years old, please, please take me, please take me to see somebody. I want to understand what you're talking about. So I was very open-minded. I thought I believed I'd had some incredible insights from readings that I had at a very young age. Um, but until you actually experience it yourself, I can honestly say I realise now that I truly didn't believe because when it, this opened up for me and it opened up after a diving accident um, and, and from that diving accident, I went to a sort of 
uh, had post-traumatic stress disorder and I wanted to learn about how to manage that holistically. Um, so that's one of the things that I've really specialised in and, and, and why I, I went to train as a clinical hypnotherapist to understand how um, you can tackle post-traumatic stress holistically and, and how you can do it in a safe and controlled way. You know, things like EMDR and disassociation techniques within clinical hypnosis are amazing. Um, yoga, meditation, breathing techniques, all these things. Um, so I, it took me and led me to go for a series of massages where I actually met an amazing healer who took a leap of faith and decided to show me what Reiki was at the same time as showing me a, a technique called cranial sacral osteopathy, um, which is where you manipulate the fluids in the back of the neck. I've heard of that, cranial sacral therapy, right? Yeah, yeah. it changes the fluid that runs around the spine and the, 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 the patterns of that. I had the most extraordinary awakening from that moment onwards. And, and what really shocked me is uh, the guy in question never actually touched me. He had his hand 10 centimeters away from my body, but my whole body convulsed like a snake. And it really was the start of what I call Kundalini rising, which is where the energy just started to rise up through the chakras. And, and within a few days, and it did take a few days, it didn't happen instantly, I started to get more and more heightened. I started to have experiences where I suddenly was having visions. I was starting to hear things, uh, see things, feel things, notice patterns of behavior that I'd never noticed before. And I was a little bit scared. But what is incredible is the fear then escalates the energy and actually makes you even more heightened because the fear drives the energy higher up through the chakras. And, uh, and so I was really at... Uh, I found myself uh, hearing, feeling, having very mystical experiences. Um, and, and at the height of this, uh, and the thing that really grounded me, if you like, is that I saw my grandfather, and he'd been dead 11 years at the time. And uh, he said to me, I had to go back to the farm. He's, he asked me to put flowers on his grave to start with. And then he said, you really need to go back to the farm. Funnily enough, the farm that he'd grown up on, I'd never been to before. Uh, so that this was quite an incredible journey for me. And, and when I went to put the, you know, and this is what I talk about in science. I really wish I'd, I'd photographed this now because I, I went to the church uh, to put the flowers on my grandfather's grave. And it, it was kind of hilarious because there was this massive, I've never seen the church ever under renovation, even though it's a really old church. And there was this massive, bigger than an A4, it was a, it was a billboard. And it basically said, please, take the alternative path wow wow i just knew it wasn't talking about the path through the church and i just burst out laughing he was so adamant please go put flares and then he told me this story about the church which when i looked it up on the internet checked out so i was kind of a little bit gobsmacked and that's kind of the start of the evidence that started seeping through and then i had these incredibly mystical experiences where i heard a voice a woman's voice actually say look how beautiful and she sort of showed me this vision of like light reflecting on water and said isn't it beautiful when light reflects on water your body is 60 to 80 percent water all you have to do is reflect back my light wow. and, and i was just like oh my god who are you this this is amazing and and, and then she showed me two horses in a field and she said one of the horses was blind, the male one was blindfolded and she just said you know the, the masculine is blind to the beauty of the feminine. And I was just like, wow, who, who the hell are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can we have coffee together? <laughs> I know, I was just, I was 
me more frequently. You're cool. Right. <laughs> I was just, and then disappeared. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm in the middle of a churchyard. Like now, now what do I do? Um, but I got messages every day and I took the leap of faith. And basically a long story short, I followed the messages and I felt, well, if I am crazy, I'm, I'm just going to find nothing. But if I'm not crazy and I take this leap of faith, and that's why I say, you see the signs, but when you follow them, the spontaneity and uh, causes these lovely synchronicities and coincidences. I followed them over a nine day period. I ended up in a town I'd never been to before. Uh, to, in search of postcards and all I knew about these black and white postcards were they were going to have a hay bale on them uh, uh, my granddad said they would be of the farm and it would be about hay baling it'd be about the harvest uh, and that the, the photographer would be some uh, name Sutcliffe to me and actually that escalated my fear quite a bit because in the UK in Yorkshire many years ago we, we had a serial killer who, who whose name was Sutcliffe so I've got very very frightened what I was going to find and, and unfortunately for me uh, the spiritual and the and the conscious mind are two things it actually I'm losing your look I went I went to a town I went to a town that I've never been to before and uh, I, I, I saw my granddad's initial my mum was with me we went into an antique shop we saw my granddad's initials on a suitcase and I said oh my gosh the postcards have got to be here mum look there's his initials there's the sign and when we looked out the windows we saw these black and white postcards and sure enough I ran to one of them and the center one had a hay bale on it oh my gosh I turned it over and there was my great grandfather, well, my grandfather's family, three generations uh, back, named on the photograph. So I was looking at a picture of my great, great, great grandfather and uh, his sons. And uh, the photographer was Frank Meadows Sutcliffe. And, and more, even more incredible was I ran into the shop saying to the guy, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, have you got the book? Have you got the book that's attached to these postcards? And he said, I have, but I've only got a display copy left. And I said, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy it for double the price. And he said, no, 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 it's not for sale. But if you want to go uh, to the town where this photographer's uh, got uh, a gallery, then I'll give you the address. And so I went to that town. And what amazed me even more is that when I went into the gallery, 20% of the photographs in that gallery were photographs of my great-grandparents' family, three generations back. You just can't make it up. We'd lived in the area all our life. We never oh my God. photographs existed. Even more inclusively, though, that's really more incredible, and this is how magical the spirit world are. My sister's an absolute history freak. She had done the whole family tree, and uh, she was able to identify... The, the, the people from the postcards to the uh, to match the uh, family tree. So that was quite astounding to me. That was what, and, and that's when you know you're not going crazy. When you get evidence, that's the real deal. And that's why I'm so involved in, in what we call evidential mediumship. When you get the facts, you know that they, you can't be crazy. And, and so I, I took this information and uh, I ran with it, really. I, um, I went back to London. I started to research about spiritual um movements to find I, I enrolled to go see some mediums to see if they would pick up on the postcard straight away they said have you got the postcards have you got the one with the bridge on it can I have the one with the bridge on it uh, it was just incredible they knew so much such good detail it was incredible and uh, it set me on a pathway of self-discovery really um that's changed my life and uh, it's bigger and better the longer I've spent with it and the more time I've dealt with it and 
you know, I think it's just an adventure. It's a magic carpet ride. The more you learn, the more it expands. And you certainly, and, and you certainly, miles of the journey. And here I am talking to you. This is right. And you certainly become very interesting company to everyone who you meet. Who yeah. you know, you're fascinating. You're not business as usual. No, 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 at all. But if you want to talk about Fred, 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 I met Fred who lost his three children uh, about two, two and a half years ago now. He, uh, it was the first time I'd ever gone to do what we call a platform reading or demonstration where you actually stand up in front of an audience. And uh, Fred had been the guy that served me the cup of tea that day. He dressed himself really smart, got out all the royal china uh, for this girl that was coming from London to the back, uh, you know, to the outskirts of uh, the coastline of, uh, of uh, Britain. I, I traveled about two and a half hours that day to this, this little village uh, town. And uh, Fred, Fred served me the cup of tea and he sat down in the aisle of the center, right directly in front of me. And it really caught my eye and I thought, how strange, why is he not sitting in the allocated seats? But he just was staring and he crossed his arms and he was staring right at me and I couldn't keep my eyes off him. And, and here's the lovely thing of how spirit can work as well. I, I, I'd meant to take my daughter, my daughter's six. She was probably about four or five at the time, uh, to a farm that day to see the animals. And it had been closed. So we ended up at Sutton Hoe, which is a beauty spot in, in the UK, where they found some Saxon burial things on a king and stuff. And, and there was an exhibition there. And my daughter had said, Mummy, 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 look at that sword with the two snakes around it. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed it? And I was laughing because it was the Kundalini sign as well as right. the two snakes wrapping around the sword. And I was like, yes, Ava, I've noticed it. I have noticed it. And uh, she said, you pay attention to this, Mum. You pay attention. And, and when, I, when I got to the exhibition and I'm looking at Fred in the audience, uh, sorry, the um, demonstration, I'm looking at Fred in the audience. Suddenly I see this this uh, sword with a two wow. snakes it. And I said, oh my gosh, now I can see, sir, that you've got lots of tattoos, but would you understand a tattoo? You, you were based in the Navy and you were in Hong Kong and this, this sword with these two snakes around it, do you understand where this fits? And he said, yeah, that's my best friend. And I said, well, I must have your best friend here uh, because he's telling me that these, these snakes had to cover two women's names and that he'd actually put the snakes there to cover two women's names that had been previous girlfriends, I think. And uh, we had a conversation, had a lovely reading. I thought I'd done quite well. I was really proud of myself. Uh, but I left, as I went to leave the centre the that day, um, Fred's partner, Joan, actually tapped me on the shoulder and she said, excuse me, Kat, can I have a word? And I was like, oh gosh, I've, I've done something wrong. And uh, she said, you know, I'm really surprised. You, you did such a good reading for my partner. He was the guy that was sat in the aisle at the back. I sat in a different area of the centre so that you wouldn't know that we were together. Um, and I just wanted to say, I can't understand it. He lost three children under the age of five why didn't you bring them through? And I said, what do you mean? And he, she said, well, we've been waiting 40 years to get a message from the three of them. The two twins have come through, but never the, the boy child. Why is that? And I just suddenly realized there in my, not my ego state, but my nervousness of presenting for the first time, you go for the, as a medium who's starting out, you're feeling your way and you're probably going to go for the easiest link because you want to do a good job. 
And probably the easiest link is not bringing a child through on the platform. And, and, and it's this, this momentary meeting with Joan has changed my life because I suddenly realized with the whole heart, we can't just bring grandparents and grandmas and granddads through on a platform. What about the friends? What about the cousins? What about the children? What about the father-in-law, the sister-in-law, that kind of thing? If we limit ourselves we limit our capacity to work for spirit. And suddenly I realized that in my, in my error of my ways, I, I was limiting what I was doing. And I, I said to Joan, I tell you what, I can't come back to this town, which is two and a half hours away, but I can meet you an hour from London in, in a place in Essex called Braintree. And let's meet on Monday, the 22nd of May. And we'll meet at 11 o'clock and I'll be at this coffee shop at this time. And if you're there, great. And if you're not, my husband's going to kill you because I'm going to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I really suggest you, 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 come, you come and meet me. And I promise you this one's on me. If you've been waiting 40 years, then this one's on me for the spirit world. And, uh, you know, they, they, they came. Uh, I, I was concerned. I worried about it all the time. I, I emailed the secretary saying, can you just contact this guy and make sure he's aware that I'm going to be at this place at 11 o'clock. And there he was, suited and booted, beautiful bouquet of flowers. He came to meet me. He was an absolute charm. Very, very nervous, as you can imagine, trying to bring three children through. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, because it's a, it comes with a level of responsibility. But my granddad had, had been in the car with me in the spirit world on the way there. And he said, don't worry, Kat, I've got, I've got the bands. My granddad's from Yorkshire, so we call them bands. Um, I've got the children and uh, I'm going to help bring them through for you. But whatever you do, if he offers you money, don't take any money. Um, but if he offers to take you for coffee, go have a coffee with him. I was like, what, what do you mean? You know, here I am with this 70-year-old 70, 70 man. I'm thinking, we've probably not got a great deal in common at this stage. We're complete strangers. Why am I going to go for coffee? So I was already quite intrigued. Um, and sure enough, as, you know, the reading transpired, and it did go very, very well. We were very fortunate. We got some amazing... Oh, sorry. Incredible... Um, incredible incredible information um and the the upshot of it was that um i went for coffee with him he tried to give me money for the reading and i refused the money and uh we he said he said if i if you won't take the money will you come and have a coffee with me so i went How interesting and I'm thinking to myself, what is he going to say? What is he going to come up with that my granddad so desperately wants me to hear? So I'm thinking to myself, Fred, 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 just talk to me. Tell me all about your life in the Navy, everything you've done. Because the next time I do a reading, if I meet somebody from the Navy and you've given me the references, because the spirit world can only work with the vocabulary of your mind, I'm going to have some really interesting stuff to share. And so he tells me this amazing life as a chef on, on all these amazing ships. And, you know, so much so that he'd, he'd met Prince Charles on one of them and he'd been around the world in the most incredible places. And what really struck me as really strange was that all the places that I travelled as a head of buying across the world were the same places that Fred had travelled in the Navy. And it got to the point where we were talking about the places that he travelled. And I was like, oh, how strange I was there in this year. What year were you there? And we realised that we'd kind of followed each other around the world 
And uh, Fred then said an interesting thing to me. He said, Kath, I need to ask you a question. Are you religious? And I said, do you know what? It's a really funny thing, Fred. I have no idea why I go around churches, supporting churches to keep them open and, and doing platform work because I'm not religious. I am really, really neutral because I want to work with as broad an audience as I can. And I love all faiths and I just take from them what I enjoy and what I like. And I, and I, I, I like to hear about them. And he said, um, he said, uh, he said, I said, but there the, the was this crazy thing when I was ahead of buying, I used to have to do store visits and when I used sometimes spirit. So this was before you had your uh, spiritual awakening and all, you were a buyer? Yeah, I was ahead of buying. I was with, working in a corporate world, completely million miles away from what I'm doing now. Black and white in the square world. <laughs> yeah, the, spirit, the spirit world don't mind, do they? They want to educate you in life first so that you can work with a diverse array of people. And they're very clever. I even realized the diving accident is just about learning about post-traumatic stress because so many people who suffer grief experience post-traumatic stress. So I, I basically used to do this thing. It is a bit crazy. They used to test me to see if I would follow orders. So they'd say, turn left, turn left, turn left, come off the motorway, turn left. And I, I used to I used to think, what am I going to do? Okay, well, I might as well turn left. I might as well find out what is at the end of the rainbow. Is there going to be a pot of gold? And, you know, I'd always end up at a church, and the church died would be St. Mary's or St. Michael's, and I'd think, why are they taking me to a church? But I suppose it's a spiritual place. It's a sacred ground. They're just trying to show me the link that if I take that leap of faith and I follow them and I, I, I follow that intuition, that, that, that they will lead me to that space. And uh, at the minute I said this, Irene, to Fred, it was almost like an alarm had gone off. He jumped out of his seat and he could hardly speak. He was shaking. And he said, I need to contact my wife. I need to contact my partner. And he starts dialing his partner, Joan. And he said, uh, Joan was, bless her, was shopping. She was at the till point of a shop. And he said, drop your bags. Come to this cafe now. I need you. I need, I need you now. Can you just leave everything? Just come to the cafe where I'm with Kat. And this poor woman came in and of course she doesn't know how the reading's gone. So she thinks maybe the reading's not gone so well and she's panicking. So she dashes into the, into the cafe and he says, tell her what we've done since we've retired. And she said, what do you mean, Fred? And he said, the thing we do in the car, tell her the thing that we do. And she said, what do you mean the thing that we do? And he said, yeah, the thing that we do. And she said, well, here's the thing. We do this thing, Kath. We call it turn left. We turn left, we turn left, we turn oh left. Oh, my gosh. We, always, we never go in a full circle. We always end up at a church. And when we get to the church, we research everything about the history of this church, at which point a download comes from the spirit world. And I'm like, OMG. I was like, um, Fred, have you got a connection to Robin Hood? And he said, what do you mean, Kat? And I said, and this thing started to me. My granddad sent me to a village and I, I, I just want to know, do you have a connection? He said, well, funnily enough, the first time I ever did that, I did it in Derbyshire and I ended up at a church that's associated with Robin Hood. It's meant to be, legend has it, that his, his thigh bone is buried there. And of course, Fred's done all the history about the church. So he tells me all about the church. And then suddenly another download of information comes from the spirit world. And I went, oh! Oh boy, I said, Fred, have you ever lived in Yorkshire? 
And he said, I have kind of, I was a pub, pub landlord in Leeds. And I was like, you were a pub landlord in Leeds. I said, what year were you a pub landlord in Leeds? And he said, in the 90s. I went, oh, Fred, have you ever done this turn left thing in Yorkshire? And I said, because I, I have a feeling I know where you ended up. And he said, I did, Cap. I once did the turn left thing in Yorkshire. And went, so you telling me you did a turn left, and I know this town where my grandfather had lived. Oh, my God. And I said, have you done the turn left out of this town? And he said, I have. And I went, so you've done a turn left, and you've ended up at the church where I buried my grandfather. Is that what you're telling me? And he said, well, what church did you bury your grandfather in? I said, what church did you end up at? And he named the church that my grandfather is buried in, the exact one that I had my spiritual awakening in, the exact one that said, please say the alternative path. But here's the amazing thing, Irene. When my granddad was alive, he lost his father and quite a few of his friends in the war years. And he lost as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, a child that had lost his father at the age of around eight. He was devastated. It changed the whole of his life. And he kind of, although he was born into the Catholic faith, he lost his, his religion, if you like. I never saw him go to church, except when we went to this particular church that we'd actually asked, which wasn't his own church. We actually asked special permission for him to be buried in this church. Um, but he used to take me there. And sometimes he would be sitting in the aisles and he would just be sitting in the silence. And I would say to him, Granted, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm just talking to my friends and my father. Uh, and pay my respects to the ones that I loved, that I lost in the war years. And I said, you know, I'm only a small child. So I said, but Granddad, do they ever, do they ever speak back? And he said, well, no. I said, well, what are we doing here then? Let, let's go, let's go. And I suddenly looked at Fred and I said, Fred, did you say a prayer? He said, I did, Kath. I say, I say a prayer every church I go into. I say, come see, come saw, and I pray to speak to my children. I said, do you not think it's funny that in 40 years, only like one or two people have brought through the twins and never, never mark? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, the only thing I can think is my granddad loved children, Fred. And he must have heard you saying that prayer and he must have thought, wouldn't it be a really funny thing if somebody just answered back, you know, somebody answered back. And we showed Kath what this is all about. And that's really what happened. And, and he told me the story that his granddad told me when I had this awakening. I, had, I saw my granddad and he told me the story about a fountain in that church. And Fred told me the same fountain that day. And I thought, wow, it was 11 years ago. I said, I've always wondered, Fred, why I had what I call this rude awakening. You know, I'd had, I had a very nice life without being spiritual in any way, shape or form. I was living life fantastically. I thought I was doing really well. And, uh, and I wondered why, why this had happened to me. And I, I was saying, oh my gosh, you, you said a prayer, but you answered my prayer. I said to my grandfather before he died, if there is an afterlife, granddad, you better come back and you better find me and you better haunt me. And that day, I just burst out crying, Irene, because I suddenly realised I'd answered Fred's prayer, but he'd answered mine. 
Yes. And it was the most magical moment. It bonded us for life. We're, we're, we're friends on Facebook forever, I, I think. And, and it's lovely because we're generations apart. You know, I'm in my 40s. He's in his nearly 80s. We're, we're, we're miles apart in, in, in age and lifestyle. And, and there is, it, spirituality, that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? It takes you and you meet these incredible people. And it has never stopped since then. And, and my journey... W- really meeting Fred was the start of it because within a few weeks I was sat in my in, in my kitchen actually and I said to the spirit world if you really want me to work for you you're gonna have to show me how I'm gonna get clients you're gonna have to show me the way and they said turn on the laptop go to this page look at Mark Island and contact him and I didn't know who Mark is Mark Mark is a USA citizen he's an amazing guy his father was Dr Richard Island who sometimes pops in from the spirit world to talk to me sometimes and uh and I really do feel that it was his father that directed me to Mark that day I met Mark and the rest really became history I became I, I i was interviewed by mark i then was certified by mark I had to do six to seven uh blind readings and i wasn't told who i would be reading for um they marked me out of 100 percent uh and i had to hit 65 percent or over in order to qualify and uh thankfully i did i i excelled i, I got the high 80s and 90s there um, so that was a really nice thing and I, I qualified and, and, and it was through being certified by Mark that I then met Elizabeth Boysen who is uh, the, the co-founder with Mark of Helping Parents Heal Your wonderful uh, charitable organization in um, we haven't even touched on that I want to say to people because we're going to have to wind it up in a little bit I want to say to, well first of all I have three questions you did connect with the three children right Yes, oh, you did. So all of his children did come through. Every single for one you. through. And, and they were amazing validations to the point. You have to imagine that Fred is a big military guy and he's tattooed, right? He's tattooed from head to toe. And, uh, and he doesn't look the guy, kind of guy that's going to have butterflies on his, on his legs. He, he doesn't look that kind of guy, okay? He looks tough. And uh, suddenly his two daughters, Barbara and Sheila, said to me... Um, tell dad we like the matching tattoos one on each leg for each of us and I said oh they say I said and I had to use my sense of humor because it was quite emotional I you know I said Fred they're telling me that you've got two butterfly tattoos one on each leg are you serious a guy like you butterflies and he just went just a minute Kath he pulled up the trouser of his leg first time I get to see an art uh, uh, poor Fred's ankles. He, he lifts up his trouser, and sure enough, there's a butterfly on each side. And then, and then his son came through, and he said, "Tell him about the butterfly on the ornament in his bedroom that has a swing attached that started swinging the other day." That was me. Oh my God! And, how fabulous! Oh, and then he was like, "The butterfly ornament." I said, "Yeah." He says, "There's a butterfly ornament." in your bedroom and it started swinging the other day and you wondered why and he went oh oh and it was just like it, and then the validations really came I what said, a blessing he said he's with frederick that's your father he's i said who's peggy she he said that was my first wife the the the, the, the mother of their um the, the the three children and he's these lovely validations just pour, poured out but that 
is what mediumship is for. It is the power of the healing that this can bring, the energy. That's, that's really the association that we really need to make. It is this thing can transform when it is used for the correct purpose that it's probably there for, which is to protect and support and help heal. And uh, it, it was the most momentous thing ever. And, you know, it, it changed, it changed my life. It, it changed Fred's life. We, we've become very, very good friends. Um, and, 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 and it gave me the courage, really. It was that moment that gave me the courage to, to take the leap of faith. And, and when Elizabeth asked me if I would be the affiliate leader for the UK for helping parents heal and to support these children by offering my services as a provider online, um, whether it was for free paid, uh, sorry, whether it was for free demonstrations to show what mediumship can do or whether it was actually as paid readings in a private guise. Um, I agreed and I've never looked back, Irene. I've got some incredible stories. I, I, if I had more time, I would. You know uh, what? We will have to do this again. I yeah. have a feeling maybe, you know, often again because your stories are amazing. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell everyone how to get a hold of you, and then I'm going to ask you for your tip about joy in life, and we're going to have to make another 85 dates. Oh, oh, <laughs> I would talk to you anytime. I will talk to you anytime. Um, my website is www.cat-b.com, or you can find me on Facebook as Medium Cat B, and it's cat with a K, K-A-T and then just be um i've got uh, I, I you can and if people want to put their name down for postcards messages as well they, they can there and we'll be providing your links and all of that too when we yeah and and you can find me on the helping parents heal website as well um i'm there under the providers list i'm down as the affiliate leader for the uk as well if you look at the affiliate list and you can sort of see my story there do they have to go to helping parents heal uk or is it helping parents heal in general the website is helpingparentsheal.org. Okay. Uh, and then you just go to uh, the affiliate leaders page or the providers page. I'm on top of the providers page. And, I'm, and look for cat. Look for cat. And, and my colleagues as well. I've got some amazing colleagues that sit alongside me there as well that are also certified. So I'm very much about go with where the energy takes you to the right person. You'll, you'll be attracted and drawn to the right person. We're, we're all there to share. That's why I say. Um, and, uh, and I really do believe as well, you know, and I know a lot of people are skeptical about mediumship, but there is always the right medium for you. And if they are certified and they are recommended, then even better because you're going to get a good quality of service. That's what I say. And you'll find as well with a lot of the, the mediums that, that support helping parents heal, that they've also got a lot of other skill sets, whether that's life coaching or like myself, clinical hypnotherapy, aromatherapy, cognitive behavior therapy. These people are constantly learning like me and trying to find every guise possible so that the, the, you know, the broader your experience, the more that spirit have to work mm -hmm. with. And if you, you have a pact in the, in the healing capacities, then that's a joy. Um, so that's what I would say. That's how you can contact me. The, best, the quickest way is to message me on my Facebook site, Medium Cat B. Um, or, or, or Wait, it's Medium Cat B? Medium. Your, face back, your Facebook. Okay, Medium Cat B. Good. Okay. Um, in terms of your question about joy, run that past me again, Irene. What was it? What is your tip for people listening to joyful, wonderful you about and they go through trauma and different things. What's your tip for finding joy in life? Be open-minded. 
share with the community don't suffer in silence reach out and find others you know find your we, we often say the word find your tribe you know the words find your tribe um doesn't really matter what other people think enjoy the experience yourself have a journey of self-discovery uh, keep things stupidly simple don't overcomplicate things spirit works very very simply and see the joy in everyday life whether it's in nature i also believe that spirit know that we've got busy lives they don't want everybody to be mediums they don't want everybody necessarily to work in the spiritual guise but everybody has the ability to connect a medium is not gifted um different or um uh, more intelligent or less intelligent than any, anybody else. They are just a person like each and every one of us. It doesn't make sense to me that we can't all connect. It does help, though, to connect, to heal yourself so you're less blocked, so that there is an ability, and that's what healing is all about, because the more you resolve your issues, the, the better spirit can come through you. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what it's about, the ascension. You know, the ascension codes there that's why people often see the one one ones or the you know the four elements of space and time in space and time we're really trying to kind of open ourselves aren't we and ascend through the chakras here on the earth plane in order to get evolution over there in the spirit world as well so um i yeah so join everyday things spirit will come to you in your everyday life you you don't have to be a medium you'll see signs you'll get feelings if you follow the coincidences and you take that leap of faith and i encourage you take the leap of faith because the journey that i've had is magical I wouldn't change it for anything in this life that's the that's beautiful uh, and, and it's about having fun. Spirit want us to have fun. They want us to enjoy life. They want us to be happy. And that's why they're guiding us or supporting us or popping in. They're coming from a place of pure love and love will never hurt. That's the perfect way for us to conclude this interview with so much love to you, Kat. 